Trading in futures products entails significant risk of loss, which must be understood prior to trading and may not be appropriate for all investors. Please contact your account representative for more information on these risks. Past performance is not indicative of future results. If you like grain markets and other stuff, you've come to the right place. Welcome to the Grain Markets and Other Stuff Podcast. Here's your host, Joe Baklovic. Everybody, welcome back to the Grain Markets and Other Stuff Podcast. Thank you for joining me. It is Tuesday, August 11th. As I speak here at mid-morning, we've got a slightly higher trade in the uh, row crop markets. We've got a report on Wednesday morning, uh, about 24 hours from now. Thank you for coming back. Thank you for listening. If you have not already subscribed to the podcast, make sure you go on Apple or Google or Spotify or any of the other podcast apps and hit that subscribe button so you are made aware when new content is available. Uh, hope you guys had a nice weekend. I had a very busy weekend. Uh, we we were preparing for this big party that we had on Sunday at our house. Uh, my my two oldest kids are just a few weeks apart. Their birthdays are a few weeks apart, and uh, we had this big party at our house. We had. I don't know how many people over, but we had this giant water slide, this inflatable deal in our backyard. I cooked, I think, like 50 burgers and 50 hot dogs or something. Um, it was a mess, and it took me all of Sunday night and, and most of yesterday afternoon to clean up. But uh, that was a good time. Uh, kids are both back in school now. I've got a preschooler. I've got a kinder kindergartner and they're both going two days a week and I think the the kindergarten class is supposed to go back full-time starting next week so we'll see what happens here uh, but uh, I think my wife in particular is happy to have the kids back in school um, we got my parents moved in they're out of Chicago I think it's probably a good time to get out of Chicago I could probably do uh, a series of podcasts on why it's a good time to get out of Chicago but uh, that's a, a different topic we do have some news items before I want to start this. Before I start this report preview, uh, this windstorm yesterday is is a big deal for some people. Um, it it had a, a big effect on grain and storage in particular. You've seen by now, I'm sure, the pictures of, of grain bins uh, destroyed or damaged. Um, so that's a big problem for a lot of the people involved in that. It's going to cause some major issues, not only for any uh, crop that was still in the bin, but also logistics issues for new crop. You know, say you're a farmer, you planned on storing a bunch of corn or soybeans um, this fall after harvest, and now you don't have the bin anymore. Uh, the likelihood of you getting a, a new bin constructed uh, between now and then is is probably not very good. So it's it's going to cause some problems, certainly cause some crop uh, crop damage in in some areas. Certainly, you saw lots of uh, photographs and videos of of uh, blown down cornfields, things like that. Does something like that have an impact on the market? Uh, typically, no. And I'm sorry to say that I, I wish that it did, uh, but uh, no. There, there's not. First of all, there's not a way to quantify what was lost. I, I can't uh, look at the map of of where the storm's path was and tell you that we lost X amount of bushels of corn, both from storage and and from corn standing in the field. I can't really do that. Um, and it would have to be a really substantial number. I mean, you'd have to lose. 100 million bushels of corn probably uh, to, to even put a dent in this thing. And I don't think we really did that. Um, maybe it'll come back, you know, down the road and, and we'll find out that that's the case. But um, th this seems to be 
an issue that's going to be a big problem for probably a, a, a relatively small number of people, unfortunately. That's the un- unfortunate reality of it. I wanted to talk about the stock market just a little bit. It is uh, likely, or I won't say likely, it's possible that the S&P 500 trades all-time highs uh, at any point here. It could be today. It could be sometime later this week. The The recovery in the stock market has been phenomenal. And there's a lot of things going on here. You've got this Fed stimulus that everybody's talked about. Um, That's a big deal. You've got really, you know, a a very small number of companies account for a large portion of these big indexes. You know, the Dow Jones is only 30 stocks and the S&P, you've got some really big companies that make up a really large share of it. Your Apples and Amazons and Googles of the world. So it's it's not the economy. The stock market and the S&P 500 is not the economy. It's the stock market. And uh, these these big in indexes that we follow, the Dow, the S&P, the NASDAQ, are doing phenomenally well. Um, and and that's, that was not consensus. I mean, you go back three, four months, and people were very negative, very pessimistic. Uh, and here we are back almost at all-time highs. It's really been a phenomenal move. I'm going to do a report preview today, and I will preface this. Uh, by telling you that I hate analyzing reports. I hate trying to guess what the reports are going to say. I don't even attempt to, to guess. I don't I don't give the news wires trade guesses ahead of the num of the report. I don't I'm not a big balance sheet guy. I don't sit around and crunch numbers all day. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. It's just not my cup of tea. I've never had a whole lot of luck predicting these things. I've had more luck just kind of trying to analyze the situation overall. But I'll tell you about this report and what you can expect from it. The big ticket items here in tomorrow's report, of course, are the corn and soybean production numbers, and more importantly, the yield numbers. Those are going to be the numbers that are the big ticket items here that the media is going to cover very heavily, that you're going to see printed. And in all likelihood, um, the yields, the yield numbers are going to be bigger than they were last month. We've got very strong crop ratings. Um, there's, there's every indication is that USDA will raise its corn yield and they'll raise their soybean yield. I believe the corn yield number last month was one seventy eight and a half nationally. That's what uh, we had last month. And on tomorrow's report, they're looking for a number. 180.5 is, is the average trade guess. So they're looking for a two bushel bump. And I think that if you get that two bushel bump, let's say that the trade is correct with that. I think a lot of traders will come to the conclusion right after that, that the yield number is going to get even bigger after that. You know, big crops get bigger. We'll go from 180 and a half eventually up to 181 or 182, maybe even 183. Um, but for this report to be a big market mover tomorrow based purely on the yield number, you're going to have to see something quite a bit different than that 180 and a half. If it's 181, that's probably not bearish. Uh, I think the market's got that priced in. Even if it's 181 and a half, maybe even closer to 182, I don't even know if that's super bearish. I think that a lot of this big crop story has already been discounted into the marketplace. Now, you start to creep much higher than that, and yeah, then it's then it starts to be something that was larger than expected, a lot more bushels on the balance sheet. And that's how you sell off and make new lows. It's it's very possible. Uh, part of the yield thing reminds me of 2012, but in, in the opposite way. In 2012, uh, the corn market had been trending higher into the August report. And uh, on the August report, the USDA made this big cut to the corn yield, which was expected because we had a drought in 2012. And that was the day that the market posted its top was on on the August report day in 2012. I, I it Almost part of me wants to say that this could be like the opposite of that. Like we priced in the big corn yield here in August 
and then the market kind of changes course just because we priced it in so early. And and I could be totally off base there. Um, and and part of that is why I, part, that's part of the reason why I hate analyzing reports is because you can be so wrong, and so many people are so wrong. Yet they spend so much time every month analyzing these reports. I just think it's an exercise in futility, personally. But um, that's been my kind of idea. That's just if, if you want to know what I'm thinking, that's kind of what I'm thinking. And is there anything actionable about that? No. There definitely is not. Uh, soybeans, same kind of idea here. Um, last month, USDA was at 49.8 for the bean yield. The average trade guess is 51.2. Uh, same deal. I think USDA could come out with a 52, maybe even slightly higher, and, and that would not necessarily be bearish in the eyes of the trade. I think that a lot of the a lot of the bearishness in beans, just like in corn, from the pr- from the production side, the, the production story, the big crop story, um, the market has been in the process of discounting it for a good four or five weeks, and uh, we may not be at the end of it, but but we may be getting close. And and same deal, if if they were to come out with something really high, you know, anything above say that fifty two, fifty two and a half, fifty three, that would be bearish, and and that's probably how you make new lows for the for the move in beans. So the the production numbers, you know, that's the big ticket item. When you see the the headlines and the news following this report tomorrow, that's that's going to be what you see and and what you're told about. Now perhaps what is maybe even a little bit more interesting to me is the demand side of the balance sheet. You know, the crop will be harvested this fall and and by that time October November we'll have a pretty good idea of what it was. There's usually not any sweeping changes after that. The demand side of the balance sheet for this new crop marketing year, which of course begins on September 1st. We haven't even started the new crop marketing year yet, but the demand side is always kind of a moving target throughout the marketing year. And we're really kind of just getting started with this. Um, I'll start off with soybeans and uh, soybean exports in particular. So new crop soybean sales as of this point are the best that they've been since I think 2014. I think they might be the third or fourth best on record at this point. This is commitments to U.S. soybeans. They haven't been shipped yet. These are, are new crop bean sales that have been made, and they'll be shipped in that October, November, December, maybe January timeframe. Uh, but we're doing really good in in new crop soybeans. Our, our new crop export book, I think we're 4,300% ahead of last year's pace, and that sounds like a big number. We, the, the, the fact of the matter is that we had about nothing sold last year because China was totally absent, and this year we've sold a lot to China. So we're, we're back to like 2014 type levels uh, right around there. So it looks really good. USDA is projecting a 24% year over year increase in soybean exports. So some of this has already been factored in into the market. Now, could we exceed that 24%? Could we, could we be 30% better uh, than last year? I think that's possible, but USDA is already projecting the third best on record, I think, in terms of soybean exports for the new crop marketing year. So there may be a little bit of room to go higher, um, but I don't know if there's a ton of room. And uh, uh, the optimistic view, of course, is that China continues to buy, continues to buy. Uh, U.S. is the only game in town for for that, you know, October through January time slot and that we sell a lot more. And maybe USDA gets to, bu- gets to bump this thing up a little bit. So we've already got some optimistic stuff priced into the market with soybean exports, but uh, it could get better. Uh, soybean crush, they're already projecting the best crush on record for the new crop marketing year. And I have no issue with that. The crush pace has been fantastic. Yeah, I, it almost worries me that if if prices were to improve, 
um, that that could back off a little bit. And I don't know. It's, it's very difficult to say what these margins are going to do. There's a lot of moving pieces there. It's not as easy as exports where I can say, yep, U.S. US beans are the only game in town here um, during that that window between U.S. harvest and Brazilian harvest. Crush is a little bit different. It's a little bit more difficult to figure out. But USDA, and, and I want to make sure I'm positive on that statistic. Yeah, they're projecting the best best crush on record for the uh, new crop marketing year. So we've already got some optimism built in there. Total soybean usage uh, for U.S. beans, they are projecting at, I believe, the best levels ever. So we're looking at the best demand ever for U.S. beans because of this improvement in exports, because they're looking for the best crush on record. So we got some, you got some optimism already built into the demand side of the beans, certainly. And corn, um, there are some things that I think could change. Our new crop export sales for corn are very good. They're up 168% year over year, mostly because of these Chinese purchases. We have, I believe it's the second best book of new crop export sales on record for corn. So, so export sales for corn right now, they haven't been shipped yet. These are, this is corn that's been sold, but it'll be shipped during that new crop, you know, October, November, December, January timeframe. Uh, it's, I think it's the second best on record. And, um, I think you could make an argument that USDA is too low on exports here. They're projecting, um, a year over year increase of, I think 21%, which sounds like a lot, but if these sort of sales to China and other destinations continue, it could be more than that. So I'm, I'm kind of optimistic about corn exports. Um, and, and granted corn exports only makes up what, 15% of your demand base in a given year, but uh, I'm a little optimistic there. Now, ethanol is a different story, and ethanol, of course, in corn is the biggest portion of your demand base. It's typically about 40% of of your demand for U.S. corn, and USDA is projecting for ethanol, let's see, and and you got to remember, this whole COVID story, that whole deal is is still playing a factor here. Um, USDA, let me look at my balance sheet here. They are projecting for ethanol to be, we're going to be at like 2015, 2016 type levels in terms of, of, uh, corn usage for ethanol, I think. And, uh, that's possible, but ethanol is, is going to be very interesting because a lot of it is going to depend on how much are we driving and how much are we driving that depends on this virus and how different, uh, areas of the country react to the virus um, when do the lockdowns end? Is this something that continues? It's very, very hard to predict this. I mean, if, if we get to a point in, say, October, November, where the virus starts to make its way out of the headlines and things start to improve and the lockdowns are eliminated, you could get ethanol production back to normalish type levels. If this COVID thing continues for another six months or another year or for an extended period of time, USDA could be too high with their ethanol number, which would be a big problem. So ethanol is a moving target, and it's very difficult to predict. Um, it, and it could be a big shift. It could be hundreds of millions of bushels in either direction, which is kind of scary. It's kind of scary, but it also leads you to maybe have an, a, a potentially optimistic view that, hey, maybe we do recover from this thing. And uh, I've, I've had people tell me your joke with me. They'll say, Joe, you know, when COVID ends, it's it's the day after the election. And, and <laughs> maybe there's some truth to that. I don't know. But uh, I hope that's the case. I hope it ends uh, as soon as possible. But uh, in any case, there's, there's a lot of uncertainty regarding just how much ethanol demand there will be and how much people will be driving, um, you know, over the course of, of the next year um, or 13 months, I guess. So that's 
uncertain to me. Uh, feed usage, USDA is is projecting, I think, a 4.5% increase year over year. I've got no issue with that. Um, feed is, is generally pretty steady. You don't see any massive... Um, generally don't see any massive adjustments there throughout the year. Uh, corn demand in total, I mean, it's it's still going to be usage for U.S. corn is still going to be the the second or third best on record is what USDA is projecting. And they've got some pretty good demand numbers in here. And they usually project strong demand when prices are really low and when crops are really big. But the projections are just that. They're projections. This ethanol thing is is probably the, the biggest wild card, I think. Um, and, and corn exports, too, I think are a wild card. Um so there's there's a lot of unknowns here. So don't think that when this don't think that when this USDA report comes out tomorrow, even if it is bearish and the market sells off, don't think that there's no hope here. Um, there is. There's there's a lot of things that could change, especially on the demand side of the balance sheet. I'm not going to fight this these, this big crop thing too hard. That's never served me well. I think the crops are big. I don't know how big, um, but the big crop story is is the real deal in my opinion. Um, but the demand stuff is is interesting, and there's a lot of room for things to shift. This China thing is is important. We need to pay attention to that. So don't think that when the big yield numbers come out that this is like the end of the world because one, it's already priced in, in my opinion, a lot of it's already priced in. And two, there's still a lot to be said for demand. It can still go one way or the other very quickly in one direction or the other. I may do a quick update following the report tomorrow. If you'd like some more information, visit my website, www.standardgrain.com. <clears throat> Remember, if you want to know um, when and how and specifically I'm marketing grain throughout the year, just go to my website, go to standardgrain.com, click on grain marketing plan. Uh, for 49 bucks a month, you get my morning email and you get my text message service. In that email, I tell you uh, when I'm pricing grain how I'm doing it, and uh, we give you a scorecard at the bottom, and it tells you exactly what percentage I have sold for each uh, marketing year. It's very easy to follow. You shouldn't have an issue with that. You don't need to be a futures or options trader to participate. This is essentially uh, advice for cash sellers, and uh, you can cancel it at any time. If you sign up for a month or two, you don't like it, uh, cancel it, but I've, I've had a, an overwhelmingly positive response to that. Uh, certainly take a look if, if you're looking for a different view or perhaps looking for some improvement this year. Everyone have a great day. We'll catch you later. 